Hello and welcome. You are listening to an episode of the Sales Chat Show. To stream or download a host of further free episodes that will power your sales success, please visit saleschatshow.com. We really hope that you enjoy and benefit from this episode. So, hello folks, and welcome to yet another episode of the Sales Chat Show, saleschatshow.com, our mission and sales chat show, sharing tried and tested and proven ideas that will make you a sales success. This is one of our controversial debate episodes. The title of this episode is Sales Commission, Is It a Blessing or a Curse? Why Sales Commission Will Make You a Worse salesperson. I am here as normal, Mr. Phil Jesser, Mr. Graham Jones, and I'm Simon Hazelden. We also have a special guest in the studio, uh, David Ventura, who has been recording an excellent episode around using video as part of sales proposal. So please make sure you go to saleschatshow.com to listen into that. But David also has some opinions on this topic as well, as, as we will find out. So David, perhaps you could just introduce yourself to the sales chat show listeners please who you are where you're from what you do sure uh well thanks graham uh, my name's david and i'm 30 <laughs> uh so uh yeah so my name's david i uh run a company called version 7 consultancy we work with our clients uh, to improve uh, their results uh, and relationships with their customers their key accounts and their teams uh, so thanks for inviting me in yeah no pleasure to have you here so as you might expect regular listeners to the sales chat show will know that Graham often will have a very strong and contrary opinion on certain matters. Mm-hmm. And on the subject of sales commission... He's done it again. He's done it again. <clears throat> so, Mr Jones, your opinion is what? Uh, sales commission is based around the notion that people will do better if you pay them and reward them with money. And I can tell you there is absolutely no evidence whatsoever that people are motivated by money. And so um, I'm afraid that if you uh, try and motivate your staff by money, you're just going to make them a worse salesperson because they're going to do all the wrong things. They're probably not even going to get the commission they want. It's a non-starter. We should scrap the whole notion of sales commission. But in... In my experience, the vast majority of my clients will have some form of sales commission bonus structure. So then, the vast majority of your clients are doing the wrong thing. But the vast—that's <laughs> the vast majority of companies. Then on the, the vast face majority of, the of companies on the face of the planet are doing the wrong thing. Just because you've always done something doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. I accept that, but where's the? Where's the? You say there's a lack of evidence that it works. Where, where, what are we talking about? Because the, the research? The, there is decades of psychological research looking at what motivates people, and money is not part of it. Why do you think companies then have been slow to pick up on what you see as being decades of common sense? Because the easy thing to do is to pay people by commission. That's easy. That's straightforward. We can do it. Yeah, we're seeing the same thing in, in retail. We're seeing loads of retailers disappear now, high street retailers, because for years it's been easy to set up shop. You set up shop, you sell, people walk in, you sell it. Simple. You don't have to run a business very well in order to be a retailer. Now you've got competition online, major problems, unless you radically change retail, 
So you can't compete with online. Yeah? So we're seeing places fall over because they're trying to do things in the old-fashioned way. The old-fashioned way worked because it was easy and there was nothing in the way. Now, if you look at sales, yeah, so it's just easy. It's just lazy to give people commission. It, it is it's lazy. straightforward. And so I'm with Graham on this one. Okay, uh, okay. It, it, it is lazy and I think it comes down to two things. It comes down to confidence and risk. So for me, it's companies that don't have enough confidence in the product and their market positioning and their brand awareness and the other stuff that helps you sell. And they want their people to share the risk. So they don't want to back the people that they've recruited. I think it, 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 it makes it easy to take a salesperson on because, hey, if they don't hit the target, they won't get the money. And that risk is all on the salesperson and not on the employer. Yeah. Uh, so yet what it lends itself to is a business that runs a lazy management process which says well if you don't do well then you're not going to get paid uh, rather than running a process of actually coaching and developing individuals to get better at what it is that they do. Okay, so if if I accept the argument, and I'm not saying I do, as someone who... <laughs> Who rather likes? You mean money. you might? You I, like money? I like. Yeah, I do. I don't believe I do, it. I do. I do. Um, and I know money's not the most important thing in life, but uh, for me, as a motivational driver, it's up there alongside oxygen. So, uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> sorry, punter. So, what what works then? So, if it's not money that motivates people. What is it that motivates? How do you motivate a salesperson if you're not? doing it via commission or bonus. The thing that motivates people more than anything else in the workplace is being able to do what they want to do, having the autonomy to do the job the way they want to do it, to run their life and their work in the way they want to. So the more autonomy you give people, the more motivated they are to do the work. And so those salespeople who are given the autonomy just to do what they want to do are going to be better performers. And that's the risk that businesses don't want to take. Because it sounds horrifying. Mm. That, you know, you, you, you're just saying to your salespeople, turn up whenever you like, do whatever you like. And you think, we can't possibly do that. They <clears> won't well, sell anything. I, They'll all go on holiday and be I'm down the sa- beach. If I'm a sales director listening to this um, revolution that is being proposed by your good self, um, I'm not sure I'm going to be feeling comfortable about that because as a sales director, I know which products... I want my team to sell over and above to others. I know which markets I want them to be in over and above others. I'm not sure I want them choosing products and markets. I want to be able to say, no, this, this is where we need the future. Yeah, I didn't say, I didn't ask them to choose their products and services and markets. I told the sales director in your example to give your staff freedom to do the job the way they want to do it. And when you give people freedom to do what they want to do, so, they are more committed to the organisation. So, Graham, one a clear example of this, because I think, to, to your point, it's, it's, Phil, it's very important to set boundaries and parameters, yeah. but it's that within those boundaries and parameters, yeah. where's the autonomy? Yeah. I was working with a client the other day, and they realised that the entire sales force, bar only a couple, uh, were, were parents, had young children, 
and had therefore childcare issues. Upon investigation, we, we, we'd start talking about motivation with the sales team. And of course, family and experience, family is up there. One of the stresses in their life was childcare. Uh, so they decided to put on a creche in the office on one day a week, which provided them that sort of flexibility. And I think that's where that comes yeah. into the autonomy yeah. is providing flexibility for people so that you know we, 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 we work in order to live, we don't live in order to work. And actually employers that are doing it right recognizing you know the need to be flexible and provide that you know we'll we'll set the destination but you guys figure out how we're going to get there and we'll support you along the journey well you find if the the businesses that are called born globals those who are just you know start as international businesses so the in other words these brand new largely online businesses but often employing you know hundreds thousands of staff you tended to find now that their employment contracts are so small and tiny that they are simple things like, you know, this is your job description, this is what you're meant to achieve, get on with it. There's no hours of work, there's no place of work, there's no holiday entitlement, because you can do whatever you like, you're given complete autonomy. So you're get, getting lots of millennials expecting to go into businesses now where they are given complete autonomy, and they're motivated, really, really motivated to work for those businesses because they can get on and do what they want to do. I mean, that's a very radical kind of approach, isn't it, from, from, from those businesses. For maybe some more you know, traditional businesses, people who are listening in, you probably, that's going to be a, a step too far. However, to Dave's point, giving people that freedom, autonomy within certain boundaries and guidelines... Is, is a good is a good motivational style of management and leadership is how most people like to be managed. Well, I, there are others. I, I was watching the TV uh, the other night and a, a local business uh, was talking about how things were going so well that they were hoping to <coughs> create a four-day working week for the entire workforce, providing targets and numbers were in the right yeah. place. Um, and everybody would then have... Friday off. Now, who's to say that that model is wrong? That what if I don't want Friday off? What if I want Thursday off? <laughs> you see, that's the point. That, that's not autonomy. That's running a business according to some rules again. So the, the modern businesses are not doing that. They are saying, we are open seven days a week, 365 days a year, 24 hours a day. Just do your work. And you fit it in. If you want to work 48 hours non-stop from Monday morning to Tuesday night and then take the rest of the week off that's entirely up to you as long as you get your job done so yeah. this is managing by output quite not by yeah. input basically so yeah which is, so and are you saying that you know these are quite radical ideas the the radical ideas for retail are to completely dramatically change you do retail to a really personalized service uh, now that you say to the, the the retailer retailers online do this they do this very well and that's why we keep going back to them. And they also supply things very quickly. You go to high street shops, they don't provide a personalised service and they don't do things quickly. And you say to them, that's what you've got to do. And they go, well, that's radical. And then three months later, they've closed down. They've gone out of business. It's, it's also easy to say that something's, I suppose, uh, radical when we're looking at examples from really large organisations. We think to ourselves, well, it's easy for a company of that size with that money to allow these things to happen.
happen. And yet, for me, I think the principles are applicable in any business. One, you know, a clear example of autonomy, and this comes from, you know, uh, Daniel Pink's work, you know, that with the the surprising truth about what motivates us in his book Drive. Um, and he always talks about Google and their twenty percent time. So, yeah. you know, the twenty percent of the time, as long as you're working on pr- personal projects that are within the, uh, you know, the the, the goals and the, the, you know, what, what mm. we're looking to do in the business, just work on something that isn't your normal day job. And within that time, they created Gmail, Google yeah. News, you know, a bunch <laughs> of other stuff that, you know, it demonstrates well. If everyone signs on to the same goal, knows the direction the business is heading in, then actually it's about giving them that freedom to do great stuff. Steve Jobs, actually, you know, we, we all know that the, the famous quote of we don't employ intelligent people and tell them what to do. We employ intelligent people so they can tell us what to do. And yeah. that's saying, well, we recruited you. We recognize your talent. Let's give you the freedom to be great. That is an important point there, though. It's about recruitment that a lot of businesses need to pay commission because their recruitment processes yeah. are so poor. They've employed the wrong people in the first place who don't fit with the company goals, who don't have the vision that the company has. To them, it's just a job. And so they've recruited the wrong people in the first place. And it's not that you're not going to manage your sales force. We're not saying that you know this is anarchy. But if you can't trust your salespeople, then you fundamentally you've got a recruitment challenge, haven't you? Yeah. Because you're not, you're not recruiting the right, the right, got, yeah. the right people. And it comes back to the confidence bit again. It's maybe I haven't got confidence in myself that I did recruit the right people. Mm. So commission is actually my safety net to weed <coughs> out the people right. that aren't going to cut it. Yeah. And you also, before we, we before we started to record the episode, you were mentioning other things from Daniel Pink's research as well. There are another couple of factors. Sure. So, I mean, Dan, Daniel Pink sort of, you know, uh, bottoms out at sort of three core things. Autonomy is one, mastery, and then purpose. So mastery, the urge to get better skills and, mm. and learn and be better at what it is that you do. And purpose, obviously, you know, the desire to do something that has meaning and and is important. And that's probably the hardest one because mm. for a lot of businesses, and again, you can come up with all the big you know, global organisations that have got a great sense of purpose, um, but actually for a lot of small businesses that that, that, that don't make stuff that changes the world, it's difficult for everyone to really buy into the purpose of the organisation. But of course, everyone has their own personal purpose as well. And actually as sales managers and sales leaders, we need to be aware of what our team's personal purpose is and encourage them and give them the space and empower them to, to live that. And if that's the thing that motivates, I think, you know, we, we, we're talking about money being a motivator or not being a motivator. It's the thing that money buys. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, for many of us, actually, the thing that money buys is experience, experience for us, experience for our families, for our children. And if that's the purpose, if we believe we were put on this planet to provide experience to the people that we love, then that's the motivator. And actually, as sales managers and leaders, we have a responsibility, I think, to understand what our people's purpose is and then empower them to live it. I can remember a speaker talking about um, motivating um, an employee who, I think if I recall correctly, was a single parent and was underperforming and the incentives were, I can't remember, but something like holiday vouchers or something. And, And when he was having a conversation with her about it, he was new into the company, she wasn't interested in going on holiday because she had more important financial... And in fact, if I recall correctly, the story was that she wanted a hoover. 
for, to, to, to clean her flat for for her daughter, so oh, that, 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 that became that became the um, the sales incentive for yeah. her, and, and and then she went from sort of underperformance to, to, to high performance. I think so. j- just just on the financial point, because I think this is a really important thing that, that you know a lot of this money motivation talk is because it's quite situational, yeah. and, and by that I mean that we live in a world with expensive things. We live in a world where mm. actually a lot of the country is struggling, and if they're struggling, then financial motivation almost seemingly becomes the obvious focal point for people because money will get us out of the struggle and yet we know if we go back to you know age-old motivational theory of Maslow and Hertzberg we know about the importance of security for people and actually in a in a in, in a world where times are tough if we provided our people our salespeople with security and company wide bonus if we achieve targets but not that sort of dreaded commission incentive that will I or won't I make enough money this month because the only reason I got into sales was because someone told me I'd be good at it and maybe it will pay me lots of money. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So I just, I, I think that, you know, that security thing, we, we, we can still provide the right finances for our people but do it in such a way that makes them feel comfortable enough that they want to fight for us. So on that, you see, people. if you ask people what would make them secure, what financially would make them secure, they know how much their mortgage is or whatever it is, how much their rent is. They know if they've got school fees or whatever. And you ask them, you know, what would make you feel secure? And they'll come up with a salary figure, which is often less than we'd pay them if we had a complicated commission structure. So actually, what businesses, what sales managers should do is just ask people what salaries you want. Because... That security is tied into their concept of how much money they want because it's buying them that security. And actually, you don't have to have a complicated sales commission. You're not motivated by money. You're motivated by security. And you just, rather than just saying, here's the salary, just say, what do you want? And that's interesting because with the commission way of doing it, you end up with <coughs> peaks and troughs. Yeah. And we know that once you've achieved a peak, that kind of becomes your new expectation. So yeah. the, the, the low next month feels even harder than it did before. So having a, a sort of static uh, base and, level and that is Sales people ought to know this because they know that if you ask people how much will you pay for this, they will always give you a higher amount of money than what you were going to sell it for them in the first place. So people are valuing the products and services higher than you have them on sale So um, as a, a professor from Loughborough University, and uh, I was reading the, uh, the Loughborough University alumni magazine, and he was doing a thing on, on sales. Prediction is there will be less salespeople in the world because there will be less transactional orientated salespeople because that will go online. Yeah. But there will probably be still a lot of people involved in more complex, high-end, high-value solution B2B style selling, which is very, very difficult to just do a simple commission structure on because you may have a team of people selling, the sales cycle may be quite long, might be quite complicated, and I think his view, if I recall correctly in the article, is organisations are going to have look to reduction of variable compensation and an increase in fixed compensation with salespeople going forward. So it might be something to think about, although it's probably going to go right up against the way the paradigm, for want of a better word, a lot of lot of sales managers, sales directors, and business owners will. Be I'm, I'm still not within. convinced about the uh, the science behind Graham's argument. I do accept that it's a well researched argument, but it's not the only argument. Mm. And I can certainly recall things that I've read in Harvard Business Review or other publications of that type that talked about the most successful organisations are those where decisions are made as 
democratically as possible, with as much consensus as mm -hmm. is reasonable. But then the decisions are implemented autocratically, i.e. everybody within the business, let's imagine it's an organisation with ten different branches, uh, everybody is following the same agreed implementation plan. And this particular uh, piece of research showed that the most unsuccessful organisations are the reverse, where decisions are made autocratically, one person at the top of tree, and then in the ten branches it's implemented democratically with ten people saying what idiot thought of this, or well it doesn't apply to us here in Manchester, we don't have to do it. So. I do accept that Graham's putting forward a well-researched argument, but it's not the only one. And I mm -hmm. think there are many sales directors here listening to us now uh, that will identify uh, as much with the democratic autocratic argument as they will Graham's. And the other thing I'd just like to say is that uh, I, I hear what Graham's saying about, you know, what salary would you like, guys and girls, but picture the scene on the next sales conference and there they are in the bar and they are already five beers or glasses of wine worse for wear they are well on the way to having a good evening and they then start to talk about who's earning what as they do and I can't imagine that that discussion is going to finish with a happy united team when somebody finds that they are but it will. earning £25,000 or dollars because you, more than somebody else. But the reason that conversation goes on now is because everything is set up on the basis of money. Once you remove that basis, that conversation won't happen because people have been talking about the outcomes. They're not bothered that you earn £25,000 more than them because that extra £25,000 isn't part of their security values. So the only reason people are asking is because we set it up as a competition in the first place. And once we remove that competition for salary, for commission, those conversations will disappear. It's, so our, I, I, it's I, our own faults in business that we get these discussions because we've set up the business the wrong way. I in the think first some place. of our sales directors listening to this will think that what you're proposing is similar to communism, Graham. No, it's, it's a, the complete it, opposite. It makes, it makes <laughs> sense. In theory, Can I just it doesn't work in the real world. <laughs> Can I just add though, because I think asking the question is a lovely thought process to go through and then carrying out and implementing uh, a, a sales team where some people are technically being underpaid, that's a different thing altogether. So asking the question gets it out in the open. Uh, some people may end up getting paid more than they said because others might value themselves slightly yeah. higher. I think but that it is, um, Phil, I, Phil and I have a, a mutual contact who, who uh, as, the, as the sales director, who always sits down when they're discussing, and they do pay some sort of bonus, but they always have a conversation with the person about what they want to do with it when they get it, yeah. which is interesting, because it is, you know, I tongue-in-cheek comment about money itself. Money allows, I like money, because it allows me to do some of the things, and like Dave said, the experiences that you can, that you can get. So... I think if there's nothing else from this episode, have a conversation with your people about what motivates them and what's most important to them, rather than just assuming that they are motivated in the same way as you. And then, yeah, I think there are some fairly radical views and are going to be flying in the face of a lot of traditional thinking about how to how to 
pay and compensate salespeople, but hopefully some, some food for thought. Any closing thoughts or comments or suggestive actions, gentlemen? Well, maybe as this has been such a highly controversial topic, <laughs> rather than one of us summarising it, maybe we each ought to have a sentence by way of a closing thought on it. Away you go so, first, Mr Jesson. Well, <clears throat> well, we all know well, horribly think about what <laughs> our pithy sentence is. <laughs> Phil's no. supposed to do the summary, ladies and gentlemen. He's decided not to. He's decided not to. He's in the back. Autonomy. I, um, I am not convinced, on behalf of many sales directors I know, some of whom will be listening to this now, uh, I am not convinced about the merits of Graham's argument, and I think one of the damning things about it is if this research has been around for decades, if it was that good, if it was that sensible, if it was that practical, it would be up and running by now. It's not. It has fallen. It has fallen at the hurdle of reality. Follow that, David. Uh, well, I'm going to fundamentally disagree with you there and say that... Right, thank you for coming. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, th I think, but, but saying that is like saying anything that is a, a massive change to such a large part of the business world uh, would be far too complex and difficult to implement immediately. Um, so it's baby steps, right? Um, I'm not suggesting, and I, when I'm working with sales managers, I would never suggest that overnight they scrap their commission plans and change the incentive model altogether. I'm just saying, hey, let's start recognizing what really intrinsically motivates people and start building a workplace that feeds that motivation and start to take away some of the fear that people have around not having financial security. Which probably distracts them from focusing on things Indeed. that are probably most important. So it's an interesting point. Mr. Jeff. Mr. Uh, Phil said that, uh, that we should be in the world of reality. Uh, most business is in the world of fantasy, not reality. So the real reality is where the research is. And Phil knows this himself because he has for decades himself gone into businesses and walked out of those businesses. And sometimes he said this to us. But, you know, he's repeating himself, saying to yet another business, this isn't the way to do it, you should do it this way. Yeah, And for years, businesses have done it the other way, because the other way is lazy, simple, easy, and means that you can get a kind of job done without too much effort. If you rely on the research, you've got to put some effort in, and you've got to make it work, but boy, does the effort pay for itself. So yeah, okay. the, the reality is that most businesses are run in a lazy way in order that they can get the job done. Yeah, so my wife used to work for a major bank and she used to come home and she used to say, and this is a bank you know, earning billions, and yet she would know how many billions they were throwing away through poor management structures, poor, you know, she used to say, gosh, if that bank were doing it properly, they'd be dangerous because they would be so much better. And we've all worked in organisations like that. Yeah, so the research is the reality. Where business is at the moment is a fantasy world. Interesting. I have to just say that the psychological research shows that internal or intrinsic motivation 
is more lasting and permanent than extrinsic, which is external forms of motivation. If you can tap into the intrinsic motivation of what's important to each person, you will probably get a better performance out of them, I think. Yeah. Um, whether that involves commission or not, I think will you know, we'll kind of depend on the motivational drivers of those people. So I think to all the sales managers and sales directors, don't assume that everybody is motivated the same way that you're motivated. It will be worth asking your people and having a, having a conversation. And um, we haven't arrived at a conclusion because such a contentious topic. We are we are bitterly divided. We have given our a, listeners a range of possibilities. A range of, pos- a range of possibilities. Some of which are right. We have, and the other one's yours. <laughs> <laughs> and if anybody listening offers any sort of team building activities, I think it's badly needed now for the sales chat show as we've debated this topic. So, folks, thank you very, very much for listening into this episode. Sales chat show, we want to share tried and tested and proven ideas that will make your sales success and also provoke you and make you think differently sometimes. So we've had our very special guest star, David Ventura, Phil Jesson, Graham Jones, and I'm Simon Hazel. Dean. Lots more episodes at saleschatshow.com, including the next episode, Why Manipulation Doesn't Buy Loyalty. So make sure you listen into the last episode. We'd just like to wish you good luck and good selling. have been listening to an episode of the sales chat show to stream or download a host of further free episodes that will power your sales success please visit saleschatshow.com thank you very much for listening to this episode and from everyone here at the sales chat show we'd like to wish you good luck and good selling (laughs) 